One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Pitts. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about two cases where fun pranks ended in not-so-fun lawsuits. And I'll be talking about Balloon Boy, the six-year-old boy who floated off in his father's homemade flying saucer. Or did he? (laughs) Hello, listeners. We are working on the audio. (laughs) (laughs) We know, we are self-aware. We know that I am very, very quiet. And that I am very, very loud. (laughs) It's creating some issues. (laughs) We're doing our best to work them out. We've seen a counselor. (laughs) The counselor said Brandy's a bitch, so I don't know. (laughs) That's not what I heard her say at all. (laughs) So Norman is, the good news is, folks, is Norman is very concerned. Which means that we'll get to the bottom of this eventually. Um, but it's going to take a while. So this is so funny. A couple days ago. Yes. And let's also turn this into a plug. Um, Norman Caruso, the gaming historian, my fabulous husband, has yes. a Blu-ray out. Volume 1, Gaming Historian. Get it on GamingHistorian.com. TheGamingHistorian.com. That's, oh, that's right. Thank you for remembering <laughs> the website that I go to on a daily basis. <laughs> um, so he came to me and he was like, you know, we were talking about the microphone situation, talking about the audio, and he was getting frustrated. And he goes, he goes, I've just, because, you know, he's used to recording just by himself. Yeah. And he goes, I've just never had to deal with too hot. And I thought he was going <laughs> to say, like, too hot girls, too hot women. And so I was like, and I was almost nodding, like, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we have two hot podcasters. <laughs> and it's a lot to deal with. <laughs> and then he said, mics. I've never had to do with two hot mics. And I- <laughs> but I was so ready for the compliment. <laughs> I love So maybe some of you are thinking, the problem is you two are too hot. <laughs> it's not it, it turns out. <laughs> It's a shock to me. <laughs> so anyway, we'll work on our hotness and on the audio situation. Yes. Okay. So you came up with the idea mm-hmm. to do this special episode. Oh, yeah. We should also say yes. this is a very special this episode. This is a very special episode. This is a themed episode, which we've never done before. No. I mean, the first episode was sort of themed. Mm-hmm. This is this is a themed episode. So this is a special April Fool's Day episode. This is your after school special. <laughs> this is when we get really serious. <laughs> this is our Easter tribute. <laughs> okay, so we are doing an episode centered around pranks and such. <laughs> yeah. Um. For me, I'm doing like pranks that turned into lawsuits. Yep. And, and mine's a prank slash hoax that turned into a lawsuit. All right. I'm excited for yours. Okay. Um, I got my information for this story um, from an article on Slate.com by Justin Peters, a New York Times article by Brian Stelter and Dan Frosch, and then a USA Today article by Stacy Nick. Cool. Okay. It's October 15th, 2009. Um, Richard Heaney, 
was in the backyard of his Fort Collins, Colorado home, preparing to launch a large flying saucer-like helium balloon that he had built. With him were his wife, Mayumi, and three sons, Bradford, Ryo, and Falcon. The names. Um, uh, The names are great. This balloon that Richard Heaney had created was 20 feet wide. Oh, my gosh. By five feet tall. And it was made out of aluminum foil, duct tape, and string. Oh, my God. When you started this, I thought he was a scientist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we'll get there. Okay. (laughs) Um. So, Richard Heaty fancied himself an amateur scientist. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. Um, and inventor. So, he had invented this balloon as an alternative means of transportation. Mm-hmm. He intended for it to hover above traffic at 50 to 100 feet. Oh, my God. <laughs> and um, he modeled it after the vehicles from the Jets. That is exactly what I was thinking just now. <laughs> Yes. Okay, but here's the problem with 50 to 100 feet. Like, that's not quite high enough, right? You got buildings and shit to worry about. I mean, but if he's modeling it after the Jetsons, you know, it wasn't... They were in the sky, but, you know, it's like the streets were invisible. They still, you know, paid it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't mean to school you on this, Brandy. But, you know, they did make their way around objects. So maybe that's just how he viewed his idiotic saucer. Uh Yeah. So um, the other thing about this is that I feel like aluminum foil is kind of expensive. (laughs) So the cost in covering this thing in aluminum foil. Surely he went to like a restaurant depot. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right? I mean. Like the giant rolls of it. Yeah. Um, So he said that like in its final form, it was Mm -hmm. expected that aluminum would generate electric shock up to a million volts, and that's how you would be able to, you know, kind of change direction, (laughs) go from side to side, front to back. So, now that we're all on the same page with his his, um, flying saucer... I'm picturing him in front of a dry erase board that's just filled with gibberish, just numbers, and, like, (laughs) he thinks he knows what he's doing. Have you seen uh, 21 Jump Street where Channing Tatum (laughs) is, like, doing the equation on the board? It's just, like, numbers everywhere. (laughs) He's like, science! (laughs) That's exactly what it's like. Yes, I have seen that film. I'm a big Channing Tatum fan. All right, so, so far on this podcast, we've established that you like The Rock and Channing Tatum. Clearly, I've got a type. (laughs) (laughs) Just real puny guys. (laughs) Okay, so, believing that the balloon was tethered and would hover just above the ground, the Heaney family, like, launched the balloon. So, I don't know exactly what that meant. It was, like, tied to a, a basket or some kind of wooden form under it that it had been sitting on in the yard. And then they were going to release it from that. But then there was like supposed to be like a several foot tether. So it would just rise and then hover tie this tether. So they launch it and then they watched in distress as the balloon was not tethered to anything and just floated off into the air. I just spat directly into the microphone. 
Wait, wait. Our listeners loved that. Hold on. So they thought they had it staked to the ground, but oopsies, someone forgot? Yes, basically, yes. So, (laughs) yes, so they thought that it would just rise a few feet, Uh and then there would be a tether there, then it would just, you know, stay there, and they could, you know, plan if they wanted to release it the rest of the way or whatever. Well, nobody attached the tether, so it just floated off into the fucking sky. (laughs) (laughs) Um, distress then turned to full-on panic when the family realized that falcon was nowhere to be found okay i know this is messed up but when you shared the three kids names i really hope that falcon was the one who flew off (laughs) it's so poetic yes (laughs) bradford told his dad that he saw falcon playing in the compartment under the balloon shortly before the launch and believed that he may have climbed in there. So the way this balloon worked, it looked like a flying saucer, right? Mm -hmm. But then it had like a a compartment under it, a little box. And that box was made out of like really thin plywood and cardboard and duct tape. And then was attached by basically string and duct tape to the rest of the balloon. And it had like a little door because uh-huh. he intended this to be a vehicle of tr- for transport. Mm-hmm. And so it had a little door that you could enter this little compartment by. How old was Falcon? Six. Okay. Um, so fearing the worst that his six-year-old son had <laughs> climbed into this balloon uh-huh. and was now floating away in a homemade flying saucer, uh-huh. Richard Heaney did what any normal parent would do. Please say call 911. He called the local TV station. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. Normal stuff. He asked them to send a news helicopter to follow the balloon. Okay. And then he called 911. Mayumi and Richard told dispatchers that they had mistakenly launched the flying saucer. Mm -hmm. So that's what they called it. That's how they referred to it to emergency crews. They called it the flying saucer. Mm -hmm. Um, So they had mistakenly launched it, and then they noticed Falcon was missing. Uh, It was approximately 11.30 a.m. at this time. Emergency crews were dispatched and followed the balloon for over 60 miles through three counties, over the next oh two hours. Oh my god. Yes. So the news lady, the head of the station, was immediately skeptical. She was like, Well, yeah. No, I'm not la- I'm not dispatching a news helicopter just because some crazy guy calls me and tells me his son has floated away. Absolutely. And so she actually, like, whoever Richard initially spoke to at the news station, they're like, Let's we'll have the director of the station call you back. Yeah. And so she called him back, and by this time, police were at the Heaney home. And so she was, like, talking to Richard, and she's like, yeah, no, you know, we're not going to send a helicopter for this. And he's like, no, this is this is real. The police are here. And so she asked to speak to the police, and only after receiving confirmation from the police that they were dispatching emergency crews did she say, okay, we'll, we'll send the news copter. Yeah, because in a newsroom, you get people calling up with all kinds oh, of nutty I'm sure. shit I can't all even the imagine. time. The letters you get, and yeah. there are some frequent flyers. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would yeah. not believe any of that. Yeah. 
So emergency crews are following this balloon that's floating on. It's really windy that day. And so oh my God. this balloon is just you know, taking this crazy path. Hey, flying saucer. <laughs> Respect. Oh, yes, the flying saucer. Um, and so it goes through three counties over the ne- next two hours. Planes were rerouted around the balloon. It was believed to be... Um, Reaching altitude of up to like 7,000 feet. Oh my God, this poor kid. Yeah, so crazy high. Um, flights at Denver International Airport were even grounded for a short time. Um, this is kind of an unconfirmed thing. The sheriff's office said it early on, and then later they kind of said, no, no flights were canceled. Okay. But, you know, kind of two different accounts on. At least they were paused for a few minutes while. The balloon passed They through. looked both ways. Yes. <laughs> um, CNN and Fox News both preempted their regular news coverage, which included a town hall meeting with President Obama <laughs> <laughs> to offer live coverage of the incident. Well, I mean, no offense to Obama, but <laughs> he w- he's not as exciting yes, as Balloon Boy. Balloon Boy. CNN vowed to stay on the story until Balloon Boy was brought home safely. Of course they did. This homecoming would happen shortly. But the story itself wasn't quite what it seemed. (laughs) By the end of the day, we had learned that Balloon... (laughs) (laughs) Balloon Boy! (laughs) Oh no! I got so excited that I just spilled my water all over my lap! Hang on! Great. Now I'm wearing pee pants. (laughs) Oh, God. Clearly, I can't handle any kind of balloon boy jokes. It's too much. Really not. Okay. By the end of the day, we had learned that Balloon Boy had never been inside the balloon, (laughs) that he had been home all along, hiding in the attic. Uh huh. By the end of the week, We had learned that his unscrupulous parents had probably staged the entire thing as a stunt to stoke interest in a possible reality show. Oh, my God. That is so gross. Yes. Okay. See, I had forgotten so much of this story. That is so... Yeah. That is nasty. Okay. So back to the day that it's happening. Yeah. It's now 1.35 p.m. So two hours since the... You know, mistaken, mistaken. Right. I'm doing air quotes here, but I realize that doesn't really transfer on a we podcast. We are so good at podcasting. We are expert podcasters. <laughs> you think the audio is bad. <laughs> We're making all kinds of important gestures to each other That's that right. you can't see. So it's 1.35 p.m. And the balloon lands in Keensburg, Colorado. So as it's coming down, like they can tell for a while that it's winding down. It's going to, you know, part of it has started to deflate. Really? And <laughs> yes. <laughs> With that expert craftsmanship. <laughs> and the news crews that are like, you know, the anchors that yeah. are, co- you know, commentating the footage are like, we're not going to show the point of impact. We're on a delay here. And like they're building to, you know, this big moment. And so. Okay. Well, and also. I- you kind of feel kind of bad for them. They think that this thing's going to bust into yeah, the and then ground. A, and a six-year-old kid's going to be splattered all over the ground. <laughs> I'm sorry. I spat into the mic again. <laughs> so it finally lands in this f- kind of field uh-huh. in Keensburg, Colorado. And emergency crews rush to the aid 
of the six-year-old boy Falcon believed to be inside. People everywhere who are watching this news coverage are holding their breath as police and paramedics descend on the aluminum flying saucer. (laughs) And then they watched in confusion (laughs) as no little boy emerged from the balloon. Well, yeah, and I assume, like, no blood, no, yeah, no, no I mean, there you was, know. Yeah, there was nothing. Oh. Officials then became concerned that the boy had fallen from the balloon along oh the way. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The sheriff's office reported that the door to the compartment under the balloon was unlocked, oh. and a deputy believed that he had seen something fall from the balloon near Platteville, Colorado. Oh, my gosh. Now... I bet you're wondering how far Platteville is from this other place where we are. I'm assuming Kingsburg, a long ways away. Colorado. So I looked this up <laughs> and uh-huh. on a non-aerial route, it is approximately 27 miles away. Uh-huh. So it's probably like about halfway back along yeah. Yeah. this route that this, this uh, flying saucer took. Search and rescue crews were dispatched to double back along the route and search for the boy's body. Oh, my God. The Colorado National Guard assisted in the search with two helicopters, including a Black Hawk. They called in the Black Hawk helicopter to search for this, what would then be believed to be the remains of this six-year-old boy who had fallen from this balloon. Okay, I've got my hand to my chest like an yes. old-timey woman. Yes. I am horrified. Yes. First of all, I'm thinking, how traumatizing would that be for those workers? They th- yes. they think something that a six-year-old has dropped. Yes. Yes. And then the other thing I'm thinking about is, how much fucking money did this cost? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, interesting that you ask that. So, just the cost of these two... National Guard helicopters to operate for one hour Mm -hmm. is $14,500. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just those two. Just those two helicopters. We're not looking at, like, the cost of all those people getting involved. Yeah, that's... Yes. Then, around 4.15, CNN announced that Falcon Heaney had been found safe. He had been found hiding in a cardboard box in the attic of the family's garage. He had never been in the balloon at all. And this was how long, supposedly, that he so was in the So CNN announced it at 4 o'clock. Right. So from the initial, like, they went on the news somewhere, I think, around 1. So, like, th- they're three, three, four hours into mm-hmm. coverage when they're like, hold on, turns out Balloon Boy was never in the balloon. Yeah. He was hiding from his family. Attic boy. Yes. He's now no longer balloon boy. Now he's attic boy. So media kind of descends on the Heaney yard. They're all out front. And Richard Heaney is just lapping it up. He's giving interviews to everybody. He's taking every producer's business card. And he is just loving it. They agree to do... An interview with Wolf Blitzer mm-hmm. that night, a live interview on TV. So, in this interview with Wolf Blitzer, Blitzer accidentally broke some news. So, asked by his father why he had hidden in the garage attic and ignored searchers' cries, Falcon replied, 
Um, you guys said that um we did this for the show. Oh my gosh. Blitzer though apparently did not hear Falcon's answer because he just kept asking the family questions uh-huh. for another 30 minutes. And then finally, someone on Wolf Blitzer's end was like, "Hey, we need to circle back to that thing that Falcon just well, said." Well, what like, were they asleep? Back? Yeah. I have no idea. Oh my yes. gosh. So, he so they finally at the end get him to circle back to what Falcon had said and this is the exchange near the end of the interview. Oh my god. Blitzer Richard Heen, the father of Little Falcon. Richard, earlier in the show, I asked you to relay a question to Falcon. He said he was hiding in the garage for four hours. I asked you to ask him why he didn't come out after he heard you and his mom and everybody else screaming for him. And you said to him, Falcon, why didn't you come out? And Falcon said, you guys said that we did this for the show. And you said, hmm, what did he mean we did this for the show? And Richard Heaney said, I have, I have no idea. I think he was talking about the media. They've been asking a lot of questions. So somebody asked him that earlier. Mm. Which is a weird fucking answer. It doesn't answer the question. That's like, <laughs> here's a bunch of words. Yes. Will you please stop asking yeah. me questions now? And so Blitzer says, do you want to ask him now? I, I don't know if he can hear me. What did he mean by what he said? We did this for the show. Do you want to ask Falcon? And Richard Heaney says, Falcon, they want to know. They want to know why you were in the attic for so long and why you, um, say it again. And Blitzer says, why he said, he said we did this for the show and explaining why he didn't come out of the attic. And Richard Heaney goes, yes, let me interrupt real quick. I think I can see the direction you guys are heading on this. <laughs> oh, I love it. Because earlier you had asked the police officers the question, the media out front We weren't even going to do this interview. Mm. And I'm kind of appalled after all of the feelings that I went through up and down that you guys are trying to suggest something else. Okay? I am really appalled because they said out front that this would be the end. And I wouldn't have to be bothered the rest of the week with any shows or anything. So we said, okay, fine. We'll do this. So I'm just kind of appalled that you guys would say something like that. You know? asking anything unusual you were asked earlier about if this was a publicity stunt you said it wasn't the police say it wasn't the rescue operation says it wasn't the only thing i wanted to clarify was why falcon had said earlier we did this for the show i just wanted to clarify i didn't understand what he was referring to Mm-hmm. <laughs> so wolf blitzer didn't catch this initially yeah and apparently was just willing to believe what richard heaney had to say Oh, God, that'd be tough in that moment on live TV. Yeah, I think it would be really tough on live TV. Because if if they are truly victims and if this truly was just innocent, then, yeah, you wouldn't want to offend anybody. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you know that thing where people... They get way fired up, oh, and way yes. offended, and how dare you? And you kind of go, um, this doesn't seem like a right. normal reaction. <laughs> yes. So... The Heenies think they, you know, they've got Wolf Blitzer on their side. Uh Uh-huh. But investigators were starting to believe otherwise. (laughs) 
they had received some tips from people that they this family was very media centered. They'd been working on getting their own reality show. They'd been featured on Wife Swap. And oh. Richard Heaney had said, like, it was the best thing that ever happened to his family. And so he had been pitching this idea for a reality show to TLC. Um, and it would be kind of a mix of, like, Mythbusters meets, meets like, uh, amateur um, inventor slash scientist show. And he would do, he would show all these inventions that he's made and do experiments and stuff like that. And TLC was like, they admit, like, and they even say, like, we were in the works with it for a little while and then there seemed to be no interest in it. So yeah. we dropped the idea. But they had done, their episode of Wife Swap had done very well. They were voted like a fan favorite and um, Wife Swap did like a thousand, like their, I don't know, like their thousandth episode, which sounds like a lot of Wife Swaps. Yes. Maybe it wasn't their thousand. <laughs> Do not quote me on what episode it Let's was. Let's say hundred. <laughs> yes. They did a special episode where they had um, fan favorites voted back. And the Heaney family was voted back to be one of the couples on this fan favorite episode. Okay, now I've got beef with this. Yes. Because my favorite wife swap episode. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever see the one with Curtis... The little guy, Norman. Okay, this this episode came out. I mean, what like was this the kid two? that packs his bags? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it is my favorite clip. So you know, this new mom comes in and she's all about health and fitness, mm-hmm. and so she starts the the clincher for him was when she threw out the bacon. Yep, and little Curtis goes, "No, that's not the way it's going to be." <laughs> Bacon is good for me. And so that came out 10 years ago. To this day, anytime Norman and I are around bacon, we smell bacon, we have bacon in the house, one of us will say, bacon is good for me. (laughs) And then he like storms into his bedroom and packs his little suitcase. (laughs) He's got to go to Nana's house where there's bacon. I can relate. Yes, I have seen that episode. I don't know how many episodes. I don't feel like I've seen that many episodes no. of Wife Swap, but no. I know that episode. Um, I think because, do you remember, that was back when The Soup was on. Yeah. And The Soup, they'd play clips. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh my God. Yeah. It's just gold. Yeah, it is gold. <laughs> You're going to be going to the grocery store. <laughs> Sorry, that's what the dad says. I'm picturing all these people who have no idea what we're talking about, and this is just very strange. Yes. Anyway, moving on. Okay, so investigators are starting to think this isn't what it looks like. Right. So they call Richard Heaney to the police department under the guise that they need him to come pick up his giant balloon. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, while he's at the police department, because they believe that he is the... He's the head of this operation. Okay. So while he's at the police department, they come to the Heaney family home and execute a search warrant. Oh. And they find all of these YouTube shows that he had done um, and footage of the actual launch. Oh, my God. The day that it happened. The family was recording it. And so in the recording... The balloon goes up. The family, everybody in the yard is like, the family is present except for Falcon. And nobody seems concerned that Falcon isn't in the yard. Mm -hmm. The balloon goes up and Richard loses his fucking mind. 
Uh-huh. He's like, nobody did the tether. You missed the fucking tether. And watches as the balloon, you know, flies yes, off yes. into the. And then the recording ends without any mention of where Falcon is. Uh-huh. And so the police are like, mm, all right, this isn't matching up with the story that they told about how they immediately were concerned about where yes. Falcon was and whatever. And so they also believed that the balloon rose too high, too quickly to be carrying a six-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. So they reached out to a physics professor at Colorado State University. Oh, like an actual scientist? Weird. Yes. <laughs> to see if the balloon was even even capable of carrying a boy falcon size. And it turns out that while the compartment would have been strong enough to hold him, so it was... The plywood was thick enough to hold him and it was attached enough to be able to hold him. The balloon would not have been powerful enough to carry him. Okay. He would have weighted it down too much and it wouldn't, it maybe would have been able to briefly lift off the ground, but it wouldn't have been able to climb like that. So it wasn't even possible for him to be inside this balloon. Uh Uh-huh. But see, to me, that doesn't prove a hoax yet. It just proves that... Right. They were dumb. They shouldn't have yes. even thought. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So then they hear the news, you know, that I mentioned about the TLC show. That TLC mm-hmm. had recently been like, nope, we're, we're ending these communications. The show's going nowhere. No one's interested. Sorry. And then they found evidence, and I don't know what this evidence is, that they had been planning this launch, missing son situation over a period of two weeks. In order to regain interest in their reality show. Surely they didn't take notes on that. They had to have taken notes. Yeah, they had to have done something really dumb. And it's my understanding that when spoken to separately, Mayumi pretty much owned up to it right away. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this this was planned. This was not. Yeah. This was not a real thing. We we planned this. And somebody else came forward. And um, I, it's unclear to me how, he's re- how he knew the... Um, the Heaney family, mm-hmm. but he sold his story to Gawker <laughs> about how he was part of planning the hoax. For more information on Gawker, please check out episode, episode three. three. <laughs> Thank you for plugging that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, I feel like if they're such attention whores, then yeah, that makes total sense that they would be blabbing to coworkers yeah. and neighbors yep. and friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on October 18th, 2009, so what's that? Like three, four days after. Yeah, three days after okay. the the whole incident. Laramore County Sheriff Jim Alderden, mm-hmm, Alderden <laughs> called the incident an elaborate, ho- an elaborate hoax. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> did he have trouble speaking? Sure did. He was so traumatized um, by the whole thing. And he announced that they expected to file felony charges against Richard and Mayumi Heaney. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think this part, I think worth noting here, is that initially, when it first happened, the sheriff was like, oh, this is a horrible tragedy, you know. Yeah. We thought this was horrible. You know, it turns out it's just an innocent, misunderstood, like a kid just, you know, playing. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't believe that there was any ill will here at play, and we don't yeah. believe that this was... This was a hoax of any kind. Mm-hmm. So he then, when he announces three days later that they, it is a hoax. I bet he was pissed. He says, 
We knew from the beginning. This oh, hoax. oh, we buddy. said all that stuff so the heenies wouldn't know we were on to Oh, <laughs> I know what it means. I just wanted to make sure you yes. knew what it meant. Yes. No, no. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. We totally knew this was a hoax the whole time. We just didn't want them to know that we were on to them. So we had to say that we didn't know it was a hoax. You guys are probably thinking that I'm pretty stupid, <laughs> but actually, I'm brilliant. <laughs> Oh, come on, buddy. <laughs> yes. There's no shame in, no! in just like, saying... they fooled a bunch of people. Yes. <laughs> and I think going through that progression that you just laid out, it's like, that's what anyone would yeah. think. And even if you, even if there were red flags, it's like, that would not be the time for red flags. No. You know, it's like, yes. okay, the, the big thing is to save this child. Yes. The big thing is everyone's safe. Yep. Now we get into... Yeah. Oh, wait, these are reality TV stars yeah. or aspiring to be. Aspiring reality TV Which is stars. even more pathetic. Yes. Um, so then on October, I'm sorry, on November 12th, 2009, Richard was charged with one count of attempting to influence a public servant, which is a felony. <laughs> what? <laughs> That seems like a weird charge. That sounds like bribery, but obviously yeah, it's not because then they not, just say bribery. Yeah, so... He told a lie to a public servant to get what he wanted. Yeah. So okay, I guess that's the closest charge to look out, everybody. Yeah, yes. they had to get him on something, yes. and it sounds like that was that was the thing. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing because that's like the felony level, and then Mayumi was charged with one count of false reporting to authorities. Okay. So she said, you know, yes, we really believed he was missing initially, and even though she. <sighs> I don't like any of this. <laughs> what do you want them to be charged with? Well, okay, I guess I haven't heard the whole punishment. Yeah. But I think there needs to be a really big punishment yeah. for that amount of resources. Resources. I money, agree. time. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. that's awful. Okay, continue, because now I want to hear that they um, are in prison to this day. They're so, not. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. get ready to be bummed. Yeah. <laughs> So the Heenies ultimately ended up entering guilty pleas in accordance with the plea agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard was sentenced to 90 days in jail. Yes. I can tell by the look on your face that you do not find that satisfactory. I am livid yes. about that. 90 days in jail. Um, 30 days he had to serve in jail. And then for the 60. No. The, for the remaining 60. No, he no, no. Work release program. But he still had to come back to the jail in the evenings. Fuck that. I know. Um, He was also sentenced to four years of probation and 100 community service hours during each of those years. So 400 community service hours as well. I'm boiling. Yes. (laughs) That's bullshit. It's not nearly enough. That's nothing. It's nothing. I'm sorry. When people like... Yeah. When people go to jail for a million years because they smoke pot, like... Yes. Um, and... This is just such a huge waste of resources. Yes. Yes. An intentional huge waste of resources. Yep. Um, Mayumi was sentenced to 20 days in jail to be served after Richard so that somebody would be home for the children during the whole time. And she got to serve hers over, um, in weekend jail. So she went to jail me? every weekend for 10 weeks. <laughs> Christian, you're so pissed right now. <laughs> I am so mad. <laughs> 
And it's frustrating me because I feel like I'm not doing a good job putting it into words. It's just on my face. <laughs> it's all over your face. Uh, yeah. I guess I'm also surprised that they were allowed to keep their kids. Not well, that- so here's the thing that I thought about that. Like, I feel like they forced their kids to do this crazy scenario. Mm-hmm. I CPS should have at least looked in on That's, this. Yeah, right? I, I'm not saying they should have for sure been been taken away, but yeah. I think that sounds like okay. That cannot be a good environment. Yeah. Let's investigate. Yes, this. that's and maybe, insane. And maybe they did. Maybe I didn't come across yeah. that in my research, but. Wikipedia said nothing about it. <laughs> Good enough for me. Weekend jail. Weekend jail. Yes. She was also given four years of probation and 120 hours total of community service. So I don't know if she had to do it like on a 30 hours a year type of. Probably just whenever she felt whenever like she it. Could get from home. To it. Yeah, from <laughs> online community yeah. service. <laughs> The couple was also ordered to pay $36,000 of restitution, which I also don't feel like is enough. I'm glad they were made to pay something. something I mean, at this yeah. point, the bar is very yes. low. Yes. $36,000 of restitution. And this is the best part. I feel like this is so dumb. And they had to write a formal letter of apology to each agency involved in the search. What? Yes. <laughs> That's part of their sentence. No! Dear so-and-so, I am so sorry that I wasted your time. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> That's the punishment when you're in elementary school. You yes. write the letter. Yeah. And I'm sorry. What are these agencies going to do with Nothing. this stupid letter yes. from these two reality? <laughs> yes. And I'm sorry, a forced apology? Yeah. Boy. Yeah. That's going to mean something. Just wait. <laughs> Did they have the best lawyer on the planet? I guess. To them, this was horrible because they wanted no jail time and they thought, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that this was really extreme. It is extreme when you want no consequences. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Richard later said that he only took the plea to protect his wife from being deported because she is a Japanese citizen. In a 2015 interview on the Today Show... He maintained that the incident was not a hoax at all. Oh, come on. It wasn't a hoax, Richard Heaney said. It's what I do. I invent. So we were trying to keep it on the lowdown in the backyard. We didn't want our neighbors to see us building it. First of all, that doesn't fucking explain anything. No, it, it doesn't. <laughs> uh. And um, I, I hate to point this out. But it makes that apology note seem really insincere. <laughs> yes. I know we all put a lot of stock yeah, in that. So when like he made this comment about how you know he only took the mm-hmm. um, the plea deal, like the prosecution was like, we don't really take very kindly to people saying yes. like this, and and this could be potentially in violation of his plea agreement, and we could potentially. You know, go back and... Oh, so he puni- they punished him really they hard? Didn't oh, have, you know. okay. They could oh, okay. have... They could potentially have punished him further, Kristen. They chose not to. They need some more resentful people <laughs> on that force. Like, give me somebody really bitter who's like, that's it. That's yes. it. Coming yeah, so, after you. Um, during that same Today Show interview, Richard said that he only pleaded guilty, and I mentioned this before, that because the threat of deportation of my wife was imminent. Mm. When the deal came on the table, I had to take it. 
So my, I'm sorry. I totally fucked this up. <laughs> hey, don't get into my territory. That's my job to read things and then like go off the rails. When that came on the table, I had to take the deal that they proposed to me. So my attorney said, Richard, it's only a 90 day stay. And that was a long time for me. But it really went by quickly. <laughs> Asked if they would do anything differently as they look back on their experience. Uh-huh. Richard said, no. no. And emphasized that the experience helped them get to where they are today with their three sons pursuing their passion for music and a rock band. <laughs> oh, my God. They're trying to Hanson this thing. Yes, Kristen, that's right. <laughs> In 2015, it was reported no. that the Heenies were now living in Florida and the three sons were in a metal band called the Heeny Boys, <laughs> where Falcon served as the lead singer. They had self-released three oh. albums, <laughs> including one called Fingered It Out. No, ew, no, are you serious? I don't even know what that means. I have a suspicion. And uh, that album had a track called Balloon Boy, No Hoax. <laughs> These are the opening. I watched the video for Balloon Boy, No I, Hoax. Yeah, I want to listen. It's fucking terrible, first no. of all. These are the opening lyrics okay. to Balloon Boy, First no of all, hoax. how's the singing? Terrible. Okay, okay. <laughs> Ever have one of those days? Everything went wrong. The shift hit the fan. <laughs> and who the hell is Wolf? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, the family also put out a series of um, comic books, an assortment of Heeny Boys merchandise, including oh. headbanger energy shots, which feature a picture of Falcon on the bottle and promised... A cool numbing sensation and a six hour wet mouth. Ew! What? <laughs> what is that? I don't know. Ew! It was also sugar free. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, uh, six hour wet mouth. <laughs> Six-hour wet mouth. <laughs> yeah. For all your wet mouth needs. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, gosh. Um, a little thing I'd like to note here mm -hmm. is that the website for Heeny Boys mm -hmm. has not been updated since 2015, so it looks as if the band may have broken up. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. Well, that's a shame. So, Heeny's invention for an alternative mode of transport didn't work out. Mm. But I'd like to close <laughs> with going over some other inventions that he has Please. that maybe might take off. Please. Maybe not literally. <laughs> some of Richard's other inventions include bear scratch. The back scratcher that attaches to a wall, allowing a person oh my to God. scratch his no, back like no. a bear. <laughs> Sells for nineteen ninety nine. That seems really steep. <laughs> um, the next one is your shakedown. All one word. <laughs> <laughs> the device.
shakes the lingering remains of items from jars such as ketchup and mayonnaise. There's a a home use version and a restaurant use version, and it sells for six payments of twenty nine ninety nine. How much are people struggling with ketchup I bottles? Don't know. And how expensive? Even worst case scenario, the ketchup stuck. You buy a new bottle. I mean. Oh, my God. (laughs) The last one is Heeny Doody Truck Transformers. Wait, say that one more time. (laughs) Heeny Doody Truck Transformers. (laughs) Heeny Doody is also one word. Of course. Of course it is. This truck robot loading device picks up heavy items and places them in the bed of a truck. The price is not listed, mm. but a 2011 autoblog.com entry said it cost almost $14,000. The oh website for it is currently offline. Oh, you're kidding. Probably because so many people <laughs> so ordered many it. So many people ordered it. And they were like, we're, we can't do this anymore. We're on to the next thing. Oh, my God. That was amazing. <laughs> that was so good. So good. So that was a, there was a lot in there that I didn't know about the balloon boy. I knew next to nothing yeah. about it. I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. That was so good. It was pretty uh it was pretty fun one. You should really get on and watch the metal videos for the Heaney boys. I'm going to. They're you don't even have to tell me. Terrible. The second you said they started a band, I was like, what's the earliest that I can look on my phone? <laughs> Just, just watch the videos. I have to hear. I have to hear this this beautiful music. Oh, are we doing a podcast? <laughs> no, you're talking to me, and I'm just leaving at random times to pee and get more beverages. You didn't have enough beverages over there. I like a good jolt, you know. Yeah, that's why I drank this diet coke. A single sad. Just one. Diet I just have coke. one beverage. No ice this time. <laughs> Although I was so concerned about hearing the ice in that cup on that episode, you couldn't hear it at all. No, you can't hear a thing. <laughs> Turns out you couldn't hear the whole episode. <laughs> you know, this is really more of a private podcast. <laughs> we don't want other people listening. Certainly not. Oh my goodness. Goodness gracious. I am surprised, though, that you brought Diet Coke. Yeah, so the reason that I brought this Diet Coke uh-huh. is because I went to get my nails done this morning before I came, and they gave me this Diet Coke at the nail salon, <gasps> Okay, and then I didn't have to stop for a beverage on my way. That makes sense, because I saw it, and I was like, she normally doesn't do carbonated stuff, because so she's so I paranoid about burping. It, I opened it at the nail salon, took like one sip, and then allowed it to go a little bit flat, <laughs> so that I could drink it during the podcast. Okay. I'm thinking now, because every time I'm at the grocery store, I always think, should I get Brandy some Diet Coke and just have it at the house? And so, but then I always think, no, she doesn't want anything carbonated. So the trick is, yeah. an hour before you come over, <laughs> I will open it. Breathe. Yes. Like a fine wine. Like a fine wine. Should I pour it into a decanter? Yes. That's the only way I take my deck. I poured this into a decanter and then back into the decanter. <laughs> Because you didn't want to seem snobby. No. <laughs> okay, so we had this idea to do an April Fool's episode. Yeah. So here's the thing. 
I I found one prank that I liked. Mm-hmm. I wrote it up. It was like a page. I was like, <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's not enough. That's not enough at all. So I found another one. Uh-huh. And so it's I'm doing a couple. I love it. I'm going to start with an amuse-bouche. An amuse-bouche. It's going to be multiple courses. <laughs> so this is just a little thing. This This is the story that made me think, oh, we should do an April Fool's episode. Yeah. Have you heard the one about the Hooters waitress? No. Okay. Does she walk into a bar? (laughs) (laughs) She sure does. (laughs) So 2002, at this Hooters, I think it was in Florida. I don't know. Um, Probably Florida. Florida's crazy. (laughs) I know. Yeah, for real. For real. So... At this at this Hooters location where she was working, they were told, "Hey, whoever sells the most beer tonight will win a Toyota." So she gets super excited. She does a great job. She sells a ton of beer. She wins the contest. She's so excited. They put a blindfold on her. They take her out to the parking lot. She thinks she's going to get this Toyota. They take the blindfold off. They hand her a Toyota. Oh god. The Star Wars toy. Yes. She's pissed. Yeah. Totally, totally pissed. The manager said this was an April Fool's joke, but one of the articles I saw said this happened in May, so he's doing it wrong. A poorly timed April Fool's joke. (laughs) April Fool's. (laughs) Yeah. So eventually, you know, she quit. She sued. She ended up settling with Hooters, and her lawyer said that now she can buy any Toyota she wants. <laughs> so I liked that story. Yeah. So I I decided that I wanted to do a couple of these, yeah. you know, pranks that turned into lawsuits. Also, I think that sucks. That does suck. That's yeah. fucking terrible. I think it's especially sucky to play on, you know, a waitress isn't making a ton of money. No. And so you tell someone that they could win a car. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're being so what is going on with you right I know, now? I feel like I have to sit up to the side <laughs> to see you over my mic. So, since you guys can't see the weird shit Brandy's doing, you you <laughs> said no, and then you rested your chin on your fist like you were posing for a Glamour Shots portrait. It seemed super... I don't know what to do with my <laughs> Super sarcastic and aggressive. No, I do think it is terrible. <laughs> oh, do you? <laughs> well, I'm glad we're on the same page. So now moving on to another one. Yes. Pranks turn into lawsuits. Got it. Here we go. Do you understand what I'm doing? I think that everybody's following. I think Norm knows what you're doing. <laughs> you know, I Peanut, just... Peanut, do you know? <laughs> I realized as soon as I said that that I have explained this like five times. Like people are going to be like, "Wait, what? Wait, what is happening?" Pranks that turn into lawsuits. Thank God I've got this rewind I button. I thought you said banks that turned into pants. <laughs> I would listen to that. <laughs> oh no, it's a silent laugh. It's too much. <laughs> Okay, so... Okay, so tell me again. We're doing pranks that turn into lawsuits. I almost spat. 
Iced tea everywhere. So, Brandy, okay, pay attention, pay attention. So, these are pranks, right? Just jokes. But then they turned into lawsuits. Oh, I totally am on board now. I get it. Do you want to write it down so you can yes, refer back to what I'm doing here? I know it's complicated. I know it's super complicated. <laughs> we'll get through it, though. Yes. This episode is only for really smart listeners. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you had this any really kind of academic <laughs> struggles, you should not listen to this one. Okay. <laughs> Glenn Howlett. He had a job as the community services manager for London, Ontario. I love how serious you are right now. You're, you're with it. Okay. This was a big job. He earned more than $155,000 a year. He controlled more than a third of the city's budget, more than 400 employees reporting to him. He'd been at this job for almost 30 years. Okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah, big deal. Yeah. I'm saying this only because sometimes in these articles, like when they just do a blurb mm-hmm. of hilarious April Fool's pranks gone yeah. wrong, they, I don't know, you get the idea that, oh, this was just some kind of low-level civil yeah. servant guy? No, big deal. So in early November one year, he was enjoying a vacation in Alberta with his wife. Mm -hmm. When his coworkers, and by the way, we're not talking low-level coworkers here. We're talking about highly paid upper management, six-figure types, emailed him with an urgent message. They said the deadline for this massive, time-consuming project was being brought forward. I'm not going to get too into the weeds on the project, but it was called a corporate renewal plan. It was super Mm -hmm. controversial. Mm -hmm. People in unions were pissed. They were like, this is going to hurt workers' rights. You know, big, big deal. And they're saying, oh, you're on vacation? Um, It's due in two weeks, buddy. Oh, shit. He freaks out. Because the people who pulled this prank did a really good job Mm -hmm. with it. Um, They made it look like a resolution. It was on official city letterhead. It was certified by the clerk's office. This was not just some, you know, dumb little email in Comic Sans. Okay. (laughs) That is the worst spot ever. It sucks. It sucks. (laughs) Especially if it's like Comic Sans and you know it's not black. Like they always throw it in a different (laughs) color. It's teal. It's teal Comic Sans. (laughs) And their email signature has an inspirational quote in it. Okay, so Glenn freaked out, understandably. He called his staff. He was like, guys, we we all have to pitch in on this. It's due in two weeks. Let's get rolling. He cut the vacation short, and this is the saddest part. He went to Staples. (laughs) Imagine, you're on vacation, you cut the vacation short, and you have to go to Staples Staples. and get a bunch of office supplies. So he gets a ton of paper. And, of course, they also told him, hey, the former city manager will be on a conference call listening in on your report. And as soon as you're finished, he's going to give a full critique. Oh, hell. Yeah, so as if there wasn't enough pressure. Yeah. Here, we're going to add this on. Poor Glenn. He had heart palpitations. He had to go to his doctor because, I mean, the stress was just, you know, it was taking a physical toll on him. So the doctor administered an electrocardiogram, sounds serious, and told him he needed to take time off work. He was like, for your health, you need to slow down, wow. take some time off. At some point, I assume around this time, he found out that it was all a hilarious joke. 
Oh my god, that's not a hilarious <laughs> joke at all. But I wrote hilarity ensued. <laughs> uh, so he was pissed, understandably. Yeah. And he sued. And the thing he said, and I totally agree with this, was this was not a prank. This was harassment. Yeah. Because to me, a prank, no. A prank is fun. And by the way, this was not in April. I kind of assumed maybe they moved the deadline to April 1st. No, this right. happened back in November. Oh so this, I, to me, this sounds mean-spirited. Yeah. Sounds like a bunch of jerks. Yeah. So, of course, the city offered to settle. You know, they didn't want some big lawsuit. Yeah. But what they really wanted was for Glenn to sign a confidentiality agreement. Mm. And Glenn was like, okay, I will settle. And I will retire two years ahead of time. But you're not going to shut me up. No. So he went to the London Free Press, which I think is just their local mm-hmm. paper, and was like, um, hey, heads up. Here are the three high-ranking employees who pulled this prank on me. My God. City manager Bob Blackwell, acting finance manager Vic Coat, and city engineer Peter Steblin. I love that he did that. I do, too. Um, because I think, especially when it's a, when it's the government. Yeah. And it's like, okay, somebody pulled this prank, totally unprofessional, wasted time, wasted resources. You should know that, yeah, it's the six-figure people who pulled this. It yeah, wasn't just exactly. like, you know, some low-level group. Yep. Yeah. The six-figure important people were wasting each other's time. And making this a bad work environment. Yep. Do you wonder how I feel about it? <laughs> so this all went down in 2004. So we're doing pranks. <laughs> Turned into lawsuits. Do you under? Have you? Did you forget? No, did yes. you forget what I'm doing? I checked my note. <laughs> good, good. So this all went down in 2004. The year we graduated. The year we graduated high school. high school. Yes. He'd planned to retire in 2006. You know, instead, he retired early, and the city paid him twenty grand. Um, but Glenn said that if he'd stayed on another two years, he would have gotten an extra twenty grand a year from his pension. Right. But he was—I think he was just kind of like, you know what, done. Yeah. And he was making really good money, yeah. so I—I I don't feel too bad about that. <laughs> so the consequence for all that. Mm-hmm. After all that, London city councilors passed a bylaw prohibiting employees and politicians from playing practical jokes on each other. Oh my god! They can't do it anymore in London, Ontario. No, practical Seriously. jokes. Wow. They're banned. Wow. Yeah. Three assholes have to ruin it for everybody. I feel like some people don't know how to play pranks. That's not a prank. No. Like that is that was not that was mean spirited. Yes. Like I don't know how you could possibly look at that and say, oh, look at this funny, harmless thing we're doing to somebody. I think the question you have to ask if you're wanting to play a prank on somebody is first, do I like this person? Yeah. Because to me it sounds like nobody liked him. Yeah. And I don't it's kind of like teasing somebody. If, yeah. If you really like them and you've got that kind of friendship, then it's right. all in good fun. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe it's maybe, not. Maybe, But, yeah. you know, that's like the first hurdle. Yeah. Ugh. Well, I think the other question that you have to ask is, how would I feel if this was done to me? Yeah. I tell you what, you cut my vacation short. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Oh, my God. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It would not be good. Yeah, no. 
I've got another one for you. And again, so this is a prank. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a prank that turned into yes. a lawsuit. Yes, okay. very good. Mm-hmm. I finally got it. Finally. <laughs> it, it took a while, as I knew it would. I knew I was bringing some complicated stuff. No, okay, no, this one is really crazy. Okay. Okay. So excited. So one day, a woman named Amber Dewick started receiving strange emails from a man she did not know. He said his name was Sebastian Bowler and that he lived in England. So she's in L.A. He that said... sounds like a, an English name. Sebastian Bowler? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm on board so far. Okay. He said he was running from the law and he knew where she lived. What? Mm-hmm. And he was going to come to her place to lay low for a while. <laughs> what? In one of the emails, he wrote, Amber, mate, coming to Los Angeles, gonna lay low at your place for a bit till it all blows over. Hmm. He included links to his MySpace page. This was a while back, no, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, they in one of the articles, they included this picture of him. And he's laying on what appears to be a street, and the camera is on the ground in front of him. Mm -hmm. And he's got both his hands and fists. One is kind of close to the camera. One's, like, more by his head, like he's about to punch you. Uh And he's got two big, like, gold blingy rings. You know, like, one on each hand. (coughs) And he's scowling, and he's about, like, 25. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a really pretty tree in the background. (laughs) The funny thing is, is like, I don't know. To me, it was like, okay, he's clearly trying to be tough, but at the same time, it's clearly like a park behind him. <laughs> like it, you know, it just seemed kind of, yeah. you know, anyway. Um, he also had pictures of a pit bull on his page named Trigger. And he described himself on the MySpace page as a fanatical English soccer fan who enjoys drinking alcohol to excess. <laughs> Yeah, who who among us is not? <laughs> I like spelling it out though. Yes. <laughs> like, hey, I like to know my limit and then just <laughs> blow past it. So Amber freaked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had no idea who he was, but he clearly knew her. Uh, she couldn't eat. She couldn't sleep. She had trouble concentrating at work. She was really freaked out. Yeah. More emails come in. In one message, he included her address and wrote, Looks all right, mate. Nice place to hide out. We don't need much, though. Just a couch and a telly. Trigger don't throw up much anymore, but put some newspaper down in case. Oh, gosh. So she's getting emails, calls, texts from this guy. Then she gets an invoice from a hotel manager somewhere. Mm Mm-hmm. Supposedly from where Sebastian had stayed, because, again, he's traveling to L.A. to stay with her. And they're like, "Uh, he damaged the hotel room, and we need you to pay. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Then she gets another message from Sebastian. It says, Amber, mate, had a brush with the law last night. Anyway, hopefully I will have lost them by the time I get to your place. Can't wait to see you. Oh, my gosh. This is crazy. Uh, it, it gets weirder. Oh my gosh. 
So Amber lost it. Yeah. She told her boyfriend, look, you need to sleep with Mace next to the bed. Also, can you have a club next to the bed? Like, let's Fred Flintstone this out. Um, (laughs) She told her friends. She told her neighbors. She told her family. And it's unclear to me if maybe the guy had her former address. But at one point, she reached out to the person who was living in her former home and said, hey, there's this guy. You know, just be on the lookout. I'm really concerned. So this lasted for five days. Again. Emails, texts, phone calls. At that point, she got one final email. The prankster revealed themselves. Who do you think it was? Her boyfriend? That is a totally reasonable guess. Uh huh. It was Toyota. What? <laughs> so the link in the email was to a web page advertising the Toyota Matrix. Their tagline for that vehicle at the time was your other you experience. What the (laughs) fuck? (gasps) Yeah. How did that get out of the development meeting when they're like, Uh okay, I've got this crazy marketing idea. Very good question. (laughs) How? Why? What? Yes. Yes. Okay. So she was obviously like, what What? the hell? What is this about? Turns out this was all part of an ad campaign because Toyota wanted 20-something males. And around this time, this was 2009, remember, Punked had been Uh on TV and like that was popular. So their ad company, I think it was Saatchi, said, you know what 20-something males love? Pranks. Oh, my gosh. So they set up this ad campaign where you could basically nominate your friend for a prank. You would give the ad company information about your friend. And then you would select from, like, one of, I think, five different personas. And that persona would then actively harass your friend via... Email, text, phone calls for five days, and at the end, it would be all be part of the Toyota Matrix, your other you experience. My fucking jaw's on the floor right now. Like, it's are you kidding me? It is completely unreal. That is unbelievable. Yes. So, <laughs> worth noting, by the way, that the folks at Saatchi who created this campaign, were real proud. No, oh, God. I- I'm going to read a quote. Even when you get several stages in, it's still looking pretty real, Saatchi creative director Alex Flint said. I think even the most cynical anti-advertising guy will appreciate the depth and length to which we've gone. Um, all right. <laughs> That's nuts, that right? That's nuts! Okay. But how did Amber get duped? Like, what what exactly happened? Somebody had to nominate her, right? Right. So here's what happened. Her friend sent her a personality test. So she took it. Uh-huh. The catch is that part of the, as part of the test, I assume maybe to get your results, you had to sign a consent agreement. Yeah. It was one of those long terms and conditions oh, yeah. things, which, for the record, 
I've never read in my life. Never in my life have I have signed. Yes, I agree to these. Always. You always check the times. box. Yes. Never do you read it. No. Um, for the record, she says that she even couldn't read it because it was unintellig- unintelligible. Mm-hmm. But whatever. So you might be thinking, okay, well, they probably spelled out the prank in the terms and conditions. No one reads the pranks or no one reads those Those, things. So it didn't matter. Uh, No, they didn't. What? Even if she had read the terms and conditions, here's what she would have discovered. All it said was that you're agreeing to a five-day experience. (gasps) Okay. So, Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes, Brandy. <laughs> I can't even get the words together to express this. If you are going to do something like that, you clearly know that you need to be protected. So you've put, you've hidden this in a terms and conditions. You need to fucking spell it out. God damn it. I just knocked the mic. As soon as you got your words together, I was like, bang. Sorry. Um... Fuck, where was I? <laughs> so they clearly knew they needed to be protected because they hid this information in a terms and conditions agreement. Mm-hmm. But then they didn't even do probably what is legally required to protect themselves. Let's find out, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, these terms and conditions, they talk about a five-day experience. Like, oh, it'll be interactive. You'll receive text, calls, emails as part of this five-day experience. Which, again, uh, no. Uh, five-day experience is way too vague for what yeah. this was. At no point did they say, oh, we're going to play a prank on you. You're yeah. going to think you're being stalked by a criminal. Yeah, obviously not. Okay. Amber was very mad. Yeah. So she sued. She so- sued Toyota and Saatchi, the ad company, for yeah. intentional infliction. Wait, is Saatchi the ad company? <laughs> <laughs> and again, this is a prank. So they thought it was, and a prank is like a joke. <laughs> and it turned into a lawsuit. Oh, um, okay. Which was, is yeah. where someone sues another party, or in this case, two parties. I was so confused. I thought we had turned this into a prank podcast, mm. and I was like... I totally understand I why you would be confused. <laughs> I also am a human, <laughs> and you are too. <laughs> so she sues them for yeah. intentional infliction of emotional distress, negligence, false advertising, etc. How much do you think she wanted? Oh, gosh. Million dollars, ten million. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Um. I. I feel really bad for. Her. This sounds rough. This doesn't sound ten million yeah, dollars rough. Ten million dollars no. rough, but yeah. I mean, I would gladly take this for ten million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So Toyota and Saatchi were like, mm, "You can't sue us because you signed the terms and conditions." You have no right to sue us. You can't even you can't even sue us because you signed the terms and conditions. I bet that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the funny thing. Before she could officially sue them, yeah. she had to have a court determine whether she could sue them. Yes. So the district court found in favor of Amber. And Toyota and Saatchi immediately appealed that right. decision. And so the appellate court looked at the case and they were like, you guys are nuts. 
even if she did read the terms and conditions, which, you know, she claimed she couldn't be because the text mm-hmm. was illegible, illegible. But even if she did, saying that someone is going to get a five-day experience is not a sufficient heads up for what you did. I fucking knew it. Yes! <laughs> Legal expert. <laughs> like, basically, she could have read this whole thing. She would have had no idea you were setting her up for something terrifying. Yeah. So the contract is void. You didn't have consent to do no. this. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's the whole end of the court opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Just a series of notes. <laughs> Just a series of notes. <laughs> so the appellate court was like, we affirm the decision of the district court. P.S. You need to pay her legal fees. Yeah. Which. P.S. You're mean. <laughs> <laughs> P.S. You're a bunch of jerks. <laughs> As a side note. I read this opinion piece about this case, which I thought was really dumb. The The guy who wrote it said, called it a humbug of a ruling. and said, I don't think that's a humbug of a ruling at all. No, not at all. Not at all. Clearly we know what side he's on. <laughs> I wonder if he was a 20-something male who apparently loves praise. Yes. But so in this article, and he did admit that this is an extreme example, which, uh, duh. Um, He said, this could chill any type of ad campaign in which consumers are briefly duped before the advertiser reveals the truth. What's the harm in that? Like, that sounds like a good thing. Well, here's... Don't we want to end any kind of ad campaign that would dupe somebody? Well, here's the thing. He compared it... And I think this is a totally unfair comparison. He compared it to, you know, those Febreze commercials where people walk in blindfolded to like a disgusting room and they're like, this smells great. And then they take off the blindfold and they're like, oh, whoa, this is disgusting. So it's not the same. Thank you. That's why I was reading this going, nobody, this is not the extreme version of that. No, this is not. (laughs) Because no one's victimized in that. The extreme version of that would be like blindfolding them and telling them that they're going to eat something delicious and then like shoving cat shit in their mouth. (laughs) That's the extreme version of the Febreze commercial. (laughs) Not five days of thinking some Some convict is coming coming for you. No! (laughs) Here's... Okay, wait, I have one question. Yeah. Do you think that the person who came up with this scenario for the ad Mm. campaign just this specific one you said they got to choose from like five Mm -hmm. different scenarios this one where the guy was coming and he was getting close do you think he liked that story the viper is coming do you remember that story like the no the woman's home alone in her apartment she keeps getting a call the viper is coming i'm on the 14th floor and like he keeps getting close he keeps calling getting closer and then when he gets to the door she's terrified and he's like i'm the viper i'm here to vibe your windows (laughs) He, that was his first short story (laughs) as a middle schooler. (laughs) So he brought up another example of this type of ad, Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to bring it up just because I think it's kind of funny. Okay. So he's saying this is in the same vein as kind of the Febreze commercial, Mm -hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. I'd never heard of this one. Mm -hmm. Apparently... This is kind of funny. Um, So this company invited a bunch of food bloggers to this intimate Italian restaurant in New York. 
And they said celebrity chef George Duran is going to prepare them a special meal. I don't know who that is, but he's a big deal if you're a food blogger, I guess. Why? What's what's the deal? Is this with a it? Domino's commercial? No. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> but you're you're on the right track. <laughs> okay. At the end of the meal, they were told that they'd eaten a Marie Callender's frozen lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> so the bloggers were super pissed. They did That's not, not handle not the it same. again. I, yeah, he's trying to draw this comparison, like, oh, yeah. it could have a chilling effect on this type of advertising. I don't think so. I don't either. I think it's just like, if you're going to get someone's consent, you need to be reasonably upfront about what it is you're doing. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And a little thing like Febreze, <laughs> where you're duped for, what, a minute? Yeah. Uh, no, not the same. It's not the same. So what happened? Um, <laughs> sorry for the pause. <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat. I know you are. I know. It's always intentional when I have a long pause. (laughs) Not at all that you lost your place. Not at all. (laughs) So the two courts obviously were like, yeah, guys, sorry. Amber can definitely sue you. Mm -hmm. And if I were them, I would have settled immediately Immediately. because this is so crazy embarrassing. I mean, when I read through the story and I'm thinking, okay, one of her friends, her boyfriend, someone she knows played this prank on her. Um, with the help of Toyota, that is so it crazy. blew my mind. And I'm thinking, if I'm Toyota, if I'm this ad agency, I don't want anyone else to know. No, you settle. You give her a free Toyota. <laughs> yeah. And you move on with life. <laughs> One of the articles I saw about this, the headline started, from the bad idea file. Yes. <laughs> yes. So since I since this didn't go to a jury trial, although it could have, I assume she settled. I couldn't find what the amount was. I mm-hmm. assume not ten million. Yeah. Um, but I hope she got a lot of money. Me too. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That, I just cannot see how that got out of the development meeting. Like, no, because you know. A lot of people had to sign off yes. on this. Tons of people had to be involved. Oh, my gosh. Am I being nuts or am I thinking, surely there were no women in that meeting? Got that tinfoil hat on again? I've got my tinfoil. <laughs> you, know you know what I realized last night? I was like, I need to space out my feminist stuff. <laughs> And I don't know why I had that thought, but I've had that thought this whole podcast. Like, I need to space out my feminist stuff so people don't, like, and what am I, like, people aren't going to know. I don't know. I just, like, but I've noticed that every, at the end of every episode, I always have this thing, but were men involved? (laughs) And I shared my theory about this at the Heat Man Woman Haters Club. (laughs) I need to know the location. But I, uh, I have... I get what you're saying. I feel like a woman might have tried to pump the brakes on this idea. I'm just thinking like, you know, to me, stalking and yeah. some some criminal knows where you live and is coming to you, like that's terrifying. I can really imagine that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if these advertising dudes were just At like... At the same time. Okay. Putting myself in that conference room mm-hmm. where the pitch is being given by Sachi. Mm-hmm. They've got fucking storyboards and a projector <sighs> and a laser pointer, bright colors, pie charts, bar graphs. 
I might get on board with it. Just like, you're right. This does look amazing. Look at this. Yes, people love punk. I love Dax Shepard. Ashton Kutcher's amazing. Yes, let's do it. Without realizing on the receiving end, you're going to feel like somebody is stalking you. Okay. Does this go back to your theory about how you could have easily been sucked into a cult? Yes, it does. (laughs) So what we're we're hearing is, as long as you've got a flashy enough PowerPoint presentation, (laughs) Brandy will be like, hmm, Helter Skelter is coming. I will get on the back of your dune buggy. Take me up to your garbage dump. I what? am what special. What about the Beatles? <laughs> I hear it too. Now that you mention yes, it, I didn't yes. hear it before. Yeah. Um, if any of this sounds unfamiliar to you, check out episode yes, one. Check out episode one. <laughs> we'll wait. <laughs> Not that you can hear us anyway. <laughs> uh, so those are my two. Again, pranks that turned into lawsuits. I loved this episode. I thought this was so fun. <laughs> I love pranks. Do you like pranks or are you? I know I, I do like pranks. Some people are very sensitive about yeah. them and not fans. Yeah, no, I like pranks. I think we should close out this episode by talking about pranks we have pulled, pranks that have been pulled on us. Oh my gosh. Think it over. Mm, I don't know if a prank has been pulled on me. Why would you say that? Okay. That is like tempting so, fate. Oh, God. When I was a kid, okay, April on April Fool's Day, my sister and I would tell my dad the exact same thing every April Fool's Day from like, I don't know, it was early as I can remember till I was old enough to realize it was fucking stupid. <laughs> on April Fool's Day, we would tell my dad he had milk on his head and he'd be like, what? And then we'd be, April Fool's! <laughs> milk on his head! <laughs> I love that your dad played along. (laughs) I bet you guys were so excited. (laughs) So until late, until I was like fourteen, and I was like, "Brandy, Brandy, I'm worried (laughs) about you." (laughs) Was that the first day? Try someone tried to explain to you what a prank was. (laughs) I love that. I think that's so sweet. You know, I started thinking about about this when I when I was looking at the Glenn Howlett mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, because for a long time I loved pranks. My friends and I would play them on each other. Um, I would play them all the time. Yeah. The last prank I pulled was like ten years ago, mm. and it was at work. Oh gosh! And the guy reacted so badly that I haven't played one since. Oh, but I hadn't gosh. even thought about. Th- okay, so what here's did you do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this will be good to get a second opinion on this. Okay. So I so I had these two other friends at work. Mm-hmm. We were all really close, and we all loved The Office. Mm-hmm. And this was back when The Office was still yeah. on. And you know that prank where Jim would, like, put one of Dwight's things in, in Jell-O? Yeah. So my friend Jenny and I thought, oh, my gosh, it'd be so fun to play this prank on our friend where we put his stapler in Jell-O. Yeah. So one night... Took his stapler, put it in Jello, which is so hard to do. Yeah, Jim makes it look easy. My Jello mold looked like shit, <laughs> so it was just like a stapler, um, 
surrounded by jello. It looked mm-hmm. really bad. But that was our April Fool's prank. We yeah. put it in his desk drawer yeah. and then, you know, asked him for a stapler. He opens it up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're standing there, like, mouths open, so excited for him to do this. He got pissed. He was really mad. Wow. Yeah, he was really mad. And he said something about, like, um, it being the property of the company or something. <laughs> oh, God. I felt terrible. I immediately took it back and, you know, washed it and everything. Yeah. And uh, I haven't pulled a prank on anybody since. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I always enjoyed, like, watching Punked. I always thought it was funny. Yeah, yeah. But I've never been someone who, like, plays pranks on people. And I don't – I can't think of any off the top of my head yeah. that people have played on me. Um, so I basically brought up a discussion point that only I have. <laughs> <laughs> this is only slightly self-indulgent, No, right? I love it. Okay, I've got to tell you one. Okay. This, this I think – this might be the best – one that's ever been pulled on me. Okay. This was when I was in college. Uh-huh. Um, my friends and I had this apartment yeah. and we had a mouse problem. Uh-huh. Disgusting. Yeah. We had this guy come out to, you know, alleviate the problem and he warned us. He was like, look, be really careful about putting on your shoes in the morning because sometimes they'll give birth in the bottom of your shoe oh, and you'll sake. put, yeah, and you'll put oh, your foot in it and it'll feel like you're stepping on gummy bears oh my god it's just baby mice in there yes we all freaked out okay april fools i was looking all over for my boots couldn't find my boots i was running late ran upstairs there they are in the living room thank god okay i put them on and immediately i feel the mouse babies in there and i lost my mind like freaked out i jumped on the couch and my roommates were all just cracking up and i'm thinking they don't understand what's happening so i'm like no no you don't understand the mouse the mouse are in my shoes (laughs) and of course my roommate christina Dumps out my boot and out comes the gummy bears. Gummy bears. Oh, God. That's pretty horrible. It was so good, though. It was so good. Oh, my gosh. My friend, Christina, my Uh other friend, Christina, Uh um, who actually listens to the podcast Uh and, yeah, all that. She's a master prank puller. Really? One time. This was when I first moved back to Kansas from North Carolina, Uh and there was this huge Powerball lottery Uh going on, and the winner was from Kansas. Yeah. But Kansas is one of those states where if you win the lottery, you're not, like, legally obligated Obligated to come come, forward and say, hey, it was me. Yeah. Okay, so someone from Kansas won the lottery. Mm -hmm. Christina went on our college Facebook page and wrote, congratulations, lottery winner, and Simmons alumna, Kristen Pitts. <gasps> oh, my gosh. And I can't remember where I was, but I obviously didn't see that right away. Yeah. Instead, I got some, like, really random texts from people I had not heard from in years congratulating me. <laughs> um, oh, my so, yeah. gosh. That's amazing. She's a good one. She also called me on April Fool's Day when I was a reporter 
and said her name was Deep Throat and she wanted to meet me out in the parking lot. (laughs) Shout out to Christina Linus for being really good at pranks. Those are all excellent. I'm a big fan. I'm now um, saying that there's a hole in my life where (laughs) I've had no pranks. Maybe I can like dip my toe in and prank you somehow. I don't want your toes anywhere near (laughs) me. They're covered in gummy bears. They're delicious. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, I thought this was really fun. I thought that was a great idea, Kristen. I loved the bubble boy. Um, he's the balloon, balloon boy. Oh, boy. Bubble. oh, that's Seinfeld that I just yeah. said. Bubble boy. No, I love that hoax. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a good one. I love these ones where you think you kind of know the story, but yeah. then it turns out, oh. Oh, there was a lot you yeah, didn't know Yeah, there's times. Yes. The whole reality TV show yes. thing is so gross and so telling of the time. Oh, yeah. That was a time when, like, everyone... Yeah, they deserve their own oh, reality, reality show. show. Well, everybody thinks they're hilarious and amazing. Oh, we don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's such a good point. We're sitting here with these mics, like they think they're so special. Oh my God, people they think should everybody listen. Everybody wants to hear everything they have to say. They're nothing like us, Brandy. <laughs> We've got something serious here. <laughs> Highly talented. Oh. Gosh, that's right. Expert podcasters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, if we can just get the audio right. Right. Yes. So if you enjoyed listening to this episode um, or any of these episodes, the ones that you can hear, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we would love if you would go like us on Facebook, subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, leave us a review. Um, follow us on Instagram at LGT podcast. Follow us on Twitter at let's go. The number two court. And you can be our second follower on there. That's right. We still only have one. It's me. (laughs) (laughs) Christine, you haven't even followed us. I'm too cool. (laughs) No, I do need to do that. (laughs) Um, and if you have, uh, some tips on how to fix our audio, Send us over an email at lgtcpodcast at gmail.com. Thank if you so much. If it's just telling me to shut the fuck up, noted, I don't yeah, need to if, hear it. If you have no actual audio experience <laughs> and your advice is, hey, Kristen, have you thought about talking louder? And Brandy, have you thought about talking softer? No, we don't need that kind of advice. Thank you very much. <laughs> Professionals only, please. Also, keep in mind... You know, this is the first time we've dealt with two hot <laughs> mics in this house. I just love that, sir. Like, you were all ready. thought Norm was giving you this great compliment. Both of us. I thought for sure it was like, well, you know, it's amazing. You learn where your ego's at when something like that happens. Because, like, immediately my mind was like, we are good looking. <laughs> I can see how it could create some problems. With which the audience. Which problems? I don't know. Oh, God. Why my husband would be upset about this, I'm not sure. But I bought it. And when he said Mike's. You like, were just immediately deflated. Yeah. Like, like, oh. The balloon boys. <laughs> flying saucers. 
He said too hot, and I flew up in an aluminum foil raft (laughs) into the air. Didn't fall out anywhere. Nope. (laughs) Okay. Join us next week. When we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. For this episode, I got a lot of my info from CBS News, Wired.com, ABC News, and the London Free Press. And I got my info from articles on Slate.com, the New York Times, and USA Today. For a full list of our sources, visit lgtcpodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff and watch that Key Boys Balloon Boy Metal video. (laughs) And remember, guys, this was a podcast about pranks that turned into lawsuits. Explain it to your friends before you recommend it. Maybe we should put this at the beginning. We should. Going in. That'll be all the show notes. (laughs) 